welcome everybody to the Killjoys Season 3 Podcasters Roundtable. In this discussion, we're going to be talking about some of the occurrences in Season 3 of Killjoys, what we thought about them, and then we will move into speculation of Season 4, what we might see coming up in Season 4, questions that we want answered, follow up on storylines that might have been introduced in season three or maybe even before we have a panel of about four of us today about four of us i think we're all whole people there are four of us <laughs> i mean i'm only like three quarters here so <laughs> that's fair that's fair uh, so uh, kevin do you want to introduce yourself for our folks Sure. My name is uh, Kevin Batchelder. I talk about Killjoys along with many other shows on our Tuning It to Sci-Fi TV podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark DeCote, and I'm the host of The Warrant is All, the Killjoys podcast, which you can find at solotalkmedia.com. And my name is Chris, and I co-host The Quad, a Killjoys podcast, along with Stephanie. Which is me. I am Stephanie. I'm also on The Quad, the Killjoys podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I'm really excited we got to get some different perspectives on here. Uh, so let's start with what I feel like was a really big wowzers type of moment for me in this season was the reveal of how Dutch and Anila were connected to each other. This is something that has kind of been teased since season two, and I just was not expecting where they went with it. Uh, so, Mark, what did you think about that reveal? When you say not expecting, I think that's a little bit of an understatement uh, mm. to, to find out that, you know, the, the speculations going through season. Well, since we heard and first uh, heard about Anila, speculations are twins and clones and mirror image from maybe a, an alternate universe. But the fact that Dutch is Anila that was pulled out of one of Anila's memories, uh, I never saw that coming. I've never seen that in sci-fi uh, that I can think of. So it was a little bit mind-blowing and uh, not just mind-blowing, but a little bit hard to comprehend. I, I know in my podcast, people were sending in feedback and they didn't quite understand. Like, okay, we think we get it, but we're not sure. But um, I have to say, personally, I loved the whole idea behind it just because it's something new and fresh and something we've never seen before. So kudos to them to think up this idea. But the... Some of the implications of Dutch being Anila were, again, completely left up to speculation. Dutch thinking that if she kills Anila, she will die. I personally don't see it that way. But anyways, um, I don't want to take over the whole podcast, but there's just so many directions this story can go with that uh, I can't wait for season four and season five to follow that path and just see what happens between the two and um, what how that story progresses. How about you, Kevin? What did you think about that reveal? Well, similar to Mark, actually, uh, you know, I've been a genre TV fan for a long, long time and watched a lot of shows. And I was also like, WTF? Uh, <laughs> this was not what I expected. Like uh, Mark said, clones, twins, sisters, all these other things might have run through my head at some point. But I watched that episode with that reveal, and I got to say, even for me, it, it, I was dumbfounded to a certain degree and had to go back and watch it again, which I often like to do with Killjoys because we get such layered stuff and such detail. But I, I got to admit, I didn't totally follow it. I looked forward that week to talking on our podcasts with my friends Brent and Wendy because I'm like, okay, what happened? What does this mean? Where are we going with this? 
Um, so I was fascinated by it, and, and i got to give major props for finding another way to do it, and also leading into the next season, which I'll save some thoughts till later. But what does this truly mean, aside from a cool aspect of sci-fi? It's going to have to have some other meaning to it, and that's what I'm fascinated by. How about you, Chris? Uh, as everybody's already said, I, I kind of had a reaction along the lines of, what? <laughs> and that was immediately followed by, this is amazing. <laughs> and I was basically borderline giddy for the rest of that episode because I watch a lot of sci-fi stuff, like a lot. And I've read sci-fi. I mean, I've just, I, I've grown up with it. It's been several decades of sci-fi for me. And I just, I, I also can't think of this being a plot I've seen before. And it's just, it's very exciting to me that it's something I didn't see coming, but that still makes sense in a weird way. Because it's sci-fi, they can do this, it's fine. But it's just uh, mind-blowing, like jaw-dropping, mind-blowing. It was, it was great. It was very exciting for me. <laughs> I feel like in regards to the storyline, you know, we all watch a lot of sci-fi television. We all know that we're going into these shows having to suspend our disbelief a certain amount and and things like that. But there are some moments watching sci-fi, at least for me, where I think, mm, I don't know that I can I can go there. I feel like you haven't set up the foundation for it or, or something just makes me go, hang on, I don't think I can make this leap. Alien, sure. But this thing doing this, no. But I, <laughs> I didn't fair, have you that don't really reaction. like aliens either. <laughs> Uh, well, that's fair. Uh, but I didn't have that reaction to this reveal. And it sounds like y'all didn't either. Is that fair, Chris? Yes. Yes. It's like, it's a weird combination of this is so out there. No wonder it isn't a common plot. <laughs> but also, I feel like the way they'd set up this story for the past two seasons, it, it took them two and a half seasons to get here. And I feel like it paid off. The funny thing for me on it too is I got to say at first I was I, I I wasn't negative on it but I'm like okay th this is just too mind blowing this this fun little romp of a show which is what I used to think of it as for a while is now getting very deep and making me think a lot and not that I don't like that but it it was beyond what I was expecting so I got to say at first it kind of even threw me for a I'm not sure I like this thing but as the whole season then finished out from there and as we are going to talk about the implications of what this could mean, it, it's fascinating. I'm not sure, like you said, though, Stephanie, I totally can buy this idea of being pulled from a memory. But for this show and for what we've seen up till now, because now we go back and think about some of the early parts of season one, even, and some of the Klein stuff that we were seeing from Dutch's, you know, reflections now, makes this even more fascinating on a rewatch. For sure. So speaking of Klein... I thought this was kind of a clever way to bring back that character who died at the end of season two, uh, but in a way that didn't feel like a, a cheat. Mark, what did you think about how they incorporated Clyde into the season? Well, I honestly say the first time I saw him, I didn't understand. Like, I, I understood when Anila was going into her memories and she saw him and I thought, oh, what a great way to bring him back because he's in this memory. Uh, but then for what really blew my mind is when they started when when at the end jumping right to the end of the season where Anila and Dutch both go in and they're interacting with him and that's the that's the real mind-blowing thing about the the whole 
going into the green, into the memories, is that it's not just a memory. They're not just spectators. They're able to interact and to have Klein in there. Yes, he's not alive. Their their quote unquote father is is dead, but in this memory, they're able to interact, they're able to talk, and they they admit, they know that this isn't really Klein, but I don't understand what he is. Because Anila says this isn't him, but if it's a memory of him, does that not make it Klein in the memory, or is it somebody else? And that's something we're going to have to wait till next season to find out exactly what this person that they're interacting with, who he actually is. But uh, again, it just it's mind-blowing, the, the whole concept behind it. But along that line, does this not mean, at least in my head, that if this world, and we're kind of jumping to our season four spec, um, is, I, I, I hate to use the word memories, because it's, kind of, it's, kind of, it's almost like somehow it's, it's their essence or their entity of these people there. So does this mean we're going to be able to see other characters, some of which we've lost, uh, and, and some other ones maybe interact differently here? I don't, you know, I, I'm, I, I am literally now scratching my head. <laughs> there's so much for this fun little romp of a show eh, Kevin? <laughs> yeah and that's that's really what it is for me and i had to be very honest with myself when i was like i say a little you know thrown off aside from a cool aspect thrown off was like my little show it's not just this fun thing anymore and i you know i had to kind of look at the show a little differently and it has me very interested in maybe trying to find some time to do a full rewatch before season four for that reason because some of the stuff i might have just been only going ah cool little romp is now might have been some early laying of some groundwork for some stuff that might now deal with where they're going to go honestly kevin i haven't thought of this show as a fun little romp since about episode five of season one It got pretty heavy in season one. Yeah, that's true. It did. Well, there definitely no. There definitely is some there, but I don't know. Just for me, it was always in, in my viewings of shows. You know, all of us, and, and you talked about it too, Chris and Mark and everybody else. We watch so many shows. Sometimes you just, even subconsciously, I will categorize a show a certain way. And, and to me, Killjoys kind of started out on that fun side. Not that it didn't get serious in season one, but I still kind of always looked at it as my, you know, it's a show. It's building a universe. It's building some things, but it was still more on the fun side. And that's actually one of the things in season three, when we were talking about on our podcast is I missed a little bit. I didn't think we had quite as much fun in season three as some earlier seasons. So yeah, we're we're not used to having sci-fi that has those comedic elements, those one-liners, those zingers that, you know, bring a chuckle. And and that's what makes Killjoys, as Kevin said, lighthearted compared to a show like Dark Matter that was airing, R.I.P., but uh, a show like Dark Matter where, yeah, they might have had a few little comedic moments, but it wasn't ingrained into the show where with Killjoys, you know, just the characters themselves, you get the two uh, Jacoby brothers together and you know there's going to be some fun banter between the two of them. And that's what makes Killjoy lighthearted, even though they could go on a dark path, they could go on a serious adventure. You're always going to get that lighthearted banter that goes uh, between all characters. Yeah, I feel like what maybe made season three perhaps feel a little less fun than previous seasons is I feel like because of the really tightly woven plot structure they were exploring with preparing for the war for the for, with the Hullen, there were fewer sort of capers of the week type of episodes. And I think that's where a lot of the fun comes in is where 
you know, they have this plan and then something goes wrong and they have to adapt and, and change what they're going to do. It's the stakes were a lot higher this season, which I think maybe makes it a bit more serious feeling. Uh, but I, I have to say that did not, you know, it changed the tone of the show, I think, but I, I enjoyed it still quite a bit. Uh, but uh, going back to what you were saying about about Klein, Mark, about the whole Anila thinking it's not Klein versus Dutch saying it was Klein. I got the impression, which I could be wrong, that when we see her first, and by her I mean Anila, interacting with Klein in the green space and she realizes it's not him, I really do think that wasn't supposed to be him. But rather the lady in disguise. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But then in the finale, I got the impression that that was actually the true memory of Klein that exists in the green space. Same here. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> now I'm so hit my little you? head going again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! He's not really who I think he is because, yeah, this whole aspect of the lady and where did the two of them go when they went in? I mean, where did they physically go? I mean, they aren't just sitting in mm-hmm. the green goo there in the, in, in the spaceship. I mean, that's the other One aspect. One would hope not; they would drown. <laughs> yeah. So what is again? What but does that would mean? They? But would they? Yeah. <laughs> We and, don't you know, actually know what the goo is. No, so. no, that's the other aspect to this. It's it's because it's it's doing a great job of blowing up all of our preconceptions about a lot of things we've seen in sci-fi. It's not like they went to another dimension, another world, another portal. We can joke about it, but we all know what those things are because we watch so much sci-fi. With this one, we still don't even know enough about this. I mean, maybe that's going to be played out early in, in the next season, but I'm a little... I'm not saying I don't like it, but I'm definitely in a very uncomfortable place because I don't feel like I know what's going on as much as I used to. (laughs) Did you have anything you wanted to add about Klein, Chris? Oh, just that this whole premise is actually pretty exciting for me just because it's something that a lot of sci-fi touches on, this notion of like what makes a person, right? Because a lot of things, it seems like, kind of come down to are we our memories like the sum of our memories or the sum of our thoughts that sort of idea Mm -hmm. and so i feel like this is sort of an interesting way to approach that like does klein continue to actually exist in the form of his memories that are in the green i feel like it's possible they might touch on this idea of it's kind of been introduced, I think Caprica is, an, is the show that comes to mind first, but, you know, could we create a digital memory of somebody? Is there some way to encapsulate how a person is and existed in some sort of form that we could then interact with after their death? It kind of reminds me a bit of, of that idea that has been explored some in sci-fi. I was actually thinking of the final season of Person of Interest. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even Dollhouse. Yep. You know, same ideas. And and I'm with you. I, I forget who said it now, if it was Kevin or if it was Mark, that I like the idea of potentially seeing characters that we've lost, like Alvis this season or Potter from last season, maybe seeing them again because of the green space. But then it wouldn't really necessarily be them because neither of them had actually put their memories into the green. But neither did that. But, but Dutch's memories are now in the green and she has memories of them. So memories of memories. Yeah. So it's like, will that count? I don't know. That is something that they could play with if they wanted to. I think it's it's a fertile ground for the writers. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we going to put out like a, a recap or a Bible or something those of us can read going in to have an idea? Because I'm a, I'm, I'm, and, and not in a negative way, but like I say, I'm going to have to see how we create the foundation so I feel like I understand it so that I don't feel like, as we all know in many shows, sometimes if there's an easy reset button or a way that, you know, that, you know, the stakes aren't real. And, and I'm just, I won't say concerned, but I'm wondering that I want to make sure this is a situation where, while it would be cool to see some of those characters that we love not around, if it turns into, hey, anybody can show up at any time, then this doesn't have quite the same stakes that it's now earned in the last, certainly, season or so. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on to talk a bit about how Anila was integrated into this season, because it was kind of a surprising choice that they made, I think. We had Delsea, who I never really thought she was dead at the end of season two because we we didn't see her die. She just was wounded. Uh, but I really did not expect her to have the expanded role that she did in season three. And, you know, she really served as a bridge between characters that we know in a world that we know to this new world up on Anila's ship and introducing us to this to this new character. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious how y'all felt about the Delsea storyline and her connection with uh, Anila. Uh, Kevin, why don't we start with you? Well, Delsea is just such a fun character. I mean, you know, getting to see her back made for a lot of fun. The same idea as we were seeing things developed, it seemed very Delsea like that she's taking a situation and taking trying to you know get advantage of it not understanding you know just how out there Anila was so I, I enjoyed that I mean the pregnancy part of it that was definitely another WTF moment for me and that's going to have some ripple effects obviously going forward to next season too so I was looking forward to this year and I'm not saying it was a dud but maybe not quite as uh, much fireworks as I thought when you know she and Johnny finally had to have some chats after what he did to her. So um, I'm wondering if that's going to still keep going forward or have they really kind of been able to put that behind them? I don't know. Well, my take on uh, the whole thing, first of all, the pregnancy, that I'm sure was a surprise for the writers because uh, Mako Nguyen was actually pregnant. And I remember seeing on a, an interview she did, I uh, forget where, but anyways, she was talking where she thought she was going to be written out. Like she was told she was coming back for this season, but when she got pregnant, she thought she was going to be written out of the show because of the pregnancy, but then they decided to work it in. So they reworked their storyline specifically around her being pregnant. So that was interesting, uh, especially the first few episodes where they were never showing her belly. They were always showing her from uh, basically the chest up. And um, I think it was a, a good job that they did. But the whole idea, what gets me is the whole idea that it's it's Davins. And uh, I know we're going to touch on him a little bit later in the podcast. But just that's what really blows my mind in this part is that the baby is, is Davins. And how that plays into the whole story, what uh, the repercussions in the following seasons are going to be because of that. And just how they interacted and how Davin's interaction with the green and everything that has to do with him. And uh, anyways, there's, we're going to talk more on Davin uh, later. But uh, the other thing about Delsea that was one thing that I didn't catch or I didn't understand was in the story, she said that she survived Johnny's shooting because there was a facility that Klein had set up 
where they were going to, that was where he was supposed to transform her into Holland. Well, in my mind, if, if Klein set up a facility on Westerly, wouldn't he have used the green from Arkin to do that? And since the green from Arkin had been destroyed, what, how did she, how was she able to transform herself into a Holland unless they had green from other places as well? It, it just, in my mind, uh, a facility set up on Westerly would have used Ark and Green. So that was one of those things that was never really touched on, but I was kind of went, huh, really? Didn't make sense to me that he would have imported Green from somewhere else, unless the Ark and Green is not the type of Green that was used for the the whatever they said. There was two two different Hollands, the, the leaders and the followers. So um, unless that's the case, that Ark and Green was only for followers, but I don't know. What I thought was so interesting about Delcea's story this season... I mean, it stays true to Delcea's character. You know what I mean? Like, all of this stuff makes complete sense to me. <laughs> she would show up clearly in a lower position someplace else, and she'd try to start bossing people around. Like, that makes sense to me. That seems like Delcea. <laughs> and then upon finding out that that's not the case, she tries to manipulate the situation so that that is the way things are. And also she has that first encounter with Anila and I'm like, Oh, this is entirely too perfect. This is probably heaven for Delcea. It's Dutch, <laughs> but she's, she's a lot just more horrible, <laughs> which seems like it would be something Delcea would be into. And I was right. <laughs> yeah. I do kind of wonder if that was something that the writers, I don't know if if that was part of the reason why they decided to use Delcea like this because I we are not the only people I think who have noticed the uh, the frisson the tension uh, between between Dutch and Delcea in their previous scenes but obviously I don't think that was a, a pairing that they would probably explore on the show but now you have the same actress but in a different role and she's more horrible and oh this looks like an opportunity <laughs> somebody more more um open to Delcea's advances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I still want to understand the whole idea that Davin could be the father. Or, I mean, again, are we now going to go into this whole, the connection to the green, the connection to Anila? Well, I mean, what what is that going to mean? Because, you know, it's very obvious that it's not your traditional pregnancy. We know that by now. But, and what is that going to mean for the whole possibility of, of, um, Again, this foundation, because, right? I mean, this isn't as simple as uh, artificial insemination or something, right? I mean, there's got to be something else at play here. Hmm. Yeah, Chris, you didn't really talk much about the pregnancy storyline. Did you have thoughts on that? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I'm not not anything that anyone didn't say already, I guess. I don't know. I don't love the whole mystical pregnancy storyline generally, but I, I do think the fact that it's Davin's and sort of what that says about his connection to the green and stuff like that, I do think that makes it interesting. Yeah. I also, thinking about it more, it's like, I kind of wonder if this is going to lead to like season five, three killjoys and a baby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it would be kind of great. Like, this would be an easy way to bring those two groups of characters together hmm. and but force you... them to interact in a not overtly hostile way. <laughs> <laughs> but do you really think they're going to have Delcea running around with a baby? Yeah. I don't know. Way. I don't know. Yeah. It could be three killjoys and a little lady though. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, the, sequel reference. <laughs> I mean, the possibility of finding a way to have them have to work with Delsea is just ripe with lines and scenes and stuff that we're all probably wringing our hands at. But I, I just don't think the baby part can somehow fit in. I, I think they have to find a way to move that to the side a bit. I mean, they've already established accelerated aging, right? I mean, the the baby is gestating at an abnormal rate. So I'm I'm joking about the little lady part, but also I'm not joking about it because it could be where this is headed. Instead of flash forwarding, it could just be that the the baby becomes a toddler or child or something, which still wouldn't necessarily be great, but it would be less awkward, perhaps, than than a baby. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've all heard about, you know, the terrible twos and everything else, but can you just imagine Del Sayre as a child and how that would be? Uh, that's not someone I'd want to be babysitting. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, as a mother, you mean? No, as if the child has her personality. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, children I mean, are challenging enough. like a demanding toddler now. <laughs> that's so. what I'm saying. So, you know. <laughs> Bring it down to less control over what happens, and I could just see some epic, uh, you know, fits and outbursts, and who knows if that child has some other powers, too. It's terrifying, Kevin. <laughs> yes, it is. But I can see the writers going, oh, wouldn't this not be fun to write? I was just going to say the the rapid aging thing. I mean, we've seen it in other shows. Uh, I mean, they did it with Tamsin in, in Lost Girl, um, where, you know, a young girl grew up real quick, and so they could do something so that we don't have this baby because you know the 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 cliche thing with babies is once you introduce a baby into the show that pretty well kills it um so i wouldn't be surprised if there is something like that especially with how fast she um the pregnancy progressed so uh, i wouldn't put it past them doing something like that where the baby is born and the next thing you know uh uh young adult and, and so forth what about you stephanie what are your thoughts I am super skeptical of the pregnancy thing. I, I just don't know. I don't know how they can do it that it would not annoy me, but we shall see. I would have been curious to know what the story would have been because they they changed the storyline in order to accommodate uh, Mako Nguyen's pregnancy. So what, the, what would the storyline have been if she hadn't have been pregnant? Because obviously they had some sort of story. They knew what they were going to do for season three and they had to alter it, so... I would assume it would be a similar building of the relationship between her and Anila throughout the season. And maybe they just sort of added the whole, oh, we could sort of bring Davin and his resistance to the green factor into this and make it kind of interesting. But that is a good question. What if if they deleted a section of story to make room for the pregnancy? Yeah, and whether that story might come back in season four or five, too, if it's a really good part of things. Yeah. And I started thinking in my head, but this just all sounds terrible, which is why I'm super skeptical of the pregnancy storyline is like, because they've established that killing sources of the green can like decolonize people and things like that. Could that be a way to I try to put a, a gentler way to say this, but, but could that be a way to shuffle the baby away so it's not a factor anymore? I don't know. I don't know that I would like that. That sounds really depressing. Uh, but uh, but it, there is that sort of question hanging there as if something happens to the Holland or something happens to Anila or the green source or what have you, could that be a factor in the pregnancy storyline? Mm. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, that's a good question too. Like what, as has already been mentioned, how, 
how did they how did they create this baby? Like that doesn't what goo did they use? Like what green goo? I know, I know. I heard it as soon as I said it. Gross. I know. I'm sorry. Um, oh, okay. Let's see where we go on this rabbit hole. No, no. Undo, undo. What what green source did they use? Because like. I don't know. I'm so confused now. <laughs> I shouldn't think about it is really the problem. Yeah, I was going to say, it's yeah. probably best if we just let them figure it out for us, because we're just going <laughs> to yeah. hurt ourselves. <laughs> it's true. Much as we did with the source of Dutch. like <laughs> Just, you know, make all sorts of wrong guesses. Yep. So we've touched on Davin a bit already, and uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about his story arc this season. Uh, Mark, what were your thoughts on on Davin and how his his role sort of shifted this season? Confused. <laughs> um, I I still don't know. Like when you look at Davin as a whole, I mean, his character really hasn't changed from season one and two. He's become a little bit more confident. Uh, he's in, he's ingrained himself more into the killjoy lifestyle, but the mysteries surrounding him, we're, we're getting more and more mysteries, but so far we haven't really gotten any answers and how he's rejecting the green, how he's able to do stuff that as it was said in, in one of the episodes that the only other person that's ever been able to affect another Holland like that is Anila. And so how is he able to do that without being a Holland? And we, we don't know, like we know stuff that's happened back going back to season one, uh, where there was the, the, the nanites and, uh, there was the stuff with his, his brain and was all that interconnected in order to create the Davin that we have now. And how is it affecting him? His memory losses where he doesn't remember going to that planet to get that uh, ball thing that Klein had left behind. He doesn't remember doing that. He doesn't remember taking the ship. Uh, he, he doesn't remember that he can control the ship or how does he control the ship? Did, did Klein do anything to him? We, we know back on Arkin, he rejected the green, but was there other stuff done to him there that we don't know? And, it's very fascinating, but usually when you go through a series like this, you'll get a, a question, 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 answer, question, question, answer. And I find that with Davin's character, we're not getting any of those answers. And I'm not complaining. Don't don't take that wrong. I'm not complaining. It's very fascinating, but I'm just wondering when we're going to start. Like, are we going to get them in season four or do we have to wait till season five to finally get the payoff on all of this? And as Kevin said, if we go back and watch from season one, are we going to start picking up little things that we might have missed back then or we might have just brushed off? And are they going to pay off more as we keep going to find out Davin's whole story? So uh, it, it's something that I'm just I, I keep racking my brain around is is what is up with him? And we're not getting those answers. And in, in a way, I'm loving it. it. It makes me anticipate season four even more because I really want to know what's going on with him. It does seem like we're getting about one or two answers for every, like, two or three or four questions. Well, what but answers like, are we getting? Well, but I mean, the fact that we know that there was stuff done to his brain, and the fact that we know, we know Klein is involved somehow. We don't know if Klein is the one who did it to him. We don't know what it was that Klein knew, but we knew that Klein must have known something because it seems like Klein is the one who led them to Davin. So now I'm just kind of like, did Klein somehow set up this whole thing 
since Davin is Johnny's brother, did Klein somehow set up Johnny meeting Dutch? <laughs> See, more questions. <laughs> Klein has definitely emerged as a bit of a puppet master in this whole thing. He seems mm-hmm. to be 12, 12 steps ahead of everybody. But if, if Klein was the one behind it, that I mean Klein is ultimately responsible for Davin turning on his squad and killing his, his uh, army or whatever military, his, his teammate. So is that well, what but, you're saying? It's possible well, that Klein was responsible for that happening? I don't know. Because there's that aspect of the storyline, and I'm not sure still whether or not that is necessarily related to his interaction with the green. See, it I'm seems feeling... likely unrelated, but who knows? I'm sorry, Kevin. No, no, that's okay. I, I mean, my, my thought again, we're all subject to being very wrong was that uh, I'm, I'm viewing Klein at this point with what we've seen play out so far through the end of the season. Um, when it comes to Davin as seeing an opportunity, because didn't he set up and go back to like torture and interrogate his father? to try to find out mm-hmm. more about why he had this special connection. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure he's the puppet master of Davin from way, way back, but maybe seeing an opportunity that like, Oh, I can do something with him. He can be, he can play a part in my bigger plan. Um, so, you know, as Mark said that we just have a bunch of questions for him, which again, as a, as a viewer, I'm like, okay, you, you frustrated me, but thank you. Cause that just makes me more engaged with the show now to want to know, <laughs> to, to want to know what it is. So, I really took this season for Davin, not that I disliked him in any way the first couple, but he was just kind of there. It was much more the Johnny and Dutch show to me. So I really, this is a great, to me, a great sign of a, of a show maturing is, you know, not that they didn't have great stuff this season, but Davin was a lot more out in front on some of this stuff. Um, so it was nice to see. We've really built up the team of all three of them instead of just calling it a team with Davin kind of being definitely number three. So that I've enjoyed. Um, I'm not sure, like, I think it was you, Mark, that said, I'm not, you know, sure it very much was in character, some of the things that he was doing, but the fact that he couldn't remember these things or he has that ability um, with the ships that we have no idea where it came from and he, he doesn't, he has memory lapses or whatever, uh, I think we're definitely going to see, be it season four or five, a lot more on that. Whether or not that comes to be a benefit for our team or if things start to spin and Devin somehow, I won't say becomes a bad guy, but because of a lot of what he's been involved in or has, has been touched by, he becomes more of a problem than, than a helper. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I need to rewatch season two. But yeah, I, I do think, I agree with you, Kevin. Like, I liked Davin in seasons one and two, but in season three, I really started to love Davin. It's like, oh, Davin's such a solid dude. <laughs> And he got some of the best lines of the season too. I mean, he, <laughs> so it was it was great to see the actor get to be you know uh, a lot more in, like I say engaged. I mean, it just you know he was more than just filling screen space for me. Certainly, come this season, mm-hmm. it felt to me like Johnny's absence at the beginning of season two maybe helped push Davin into that role because it really solidified his and Dutch's relationship as as partners working together which I think maybe helped lead to him being able to kind of take control of the 
the resistance when he had to relieve Torin of his duties. And, uh, and I, and I thought that was interesting, especially at the beginning of the season when he was kind of giving Johnny advice about this is what happens when you screw up and you have to come back and you have to fit back in. It's, it's terrible, but you got to do it. Um, so, uh, did y'all have, have thoughts about, uh, Johnny's storyline and, and his uh, interactions with, uh, Davin and sort of the, the trio and that whole situation when they were kind of getting back into deer at the beginning of the season, Chris? I found it very uh, enjoyable. As as you said, I liked that aspect of it, that it's it's not like they resented Johnny for it. They weren't mad at him. They understood. But at the same time, stuff is different now. We have to get through it. We have to figure out the new dynamic of the team now that stuff has kind of shifted while he was gone. I just, I don't know. I, I appreciate how realistic they are with that aspect of things like i feel like they're very good about uh realistic human interactions (laughs) unlike you know your your more quote-unquote realistic dramas right where it's just kind of like people would not have this conversation or or alternatively more frequently really on the other shows like those conversations are just not had (laughs) Mm mm-hmm And so that's one thing I really appreciate about Killjoys is they will address these things like, yes, stuff is weird now and we're going to get through it because we love each other. And uh, I don't know. I just think it's nice. Well, I'm also fascinated by, and again, I think this, as you kind of said too, Chris, that the, the, the rewatch value of the entire set of episodes that we've had so far, all three seasons, because I got to say, I wasn't a huge fan early this season with not having Johnny around. Um, and some other things that happened with, um, uh, some other characters in that I thought we kind of like, you know, I wanted to hit the ground run again, Kevin wants rather than what the reality of the show is, you know, uh, the caper of the week and uh, all three of them kicking butt and doing something. And we kind of didn't have it because we got more realistic development of those characters. So I think in total, it's awesome. Cause if I rewatch now coming into the beginning of the season, I can be ready for that being there rather than being hit by it at first. Uh, and then eventually seeing how much it developed for Dav very much um, over the course of the whole season. So again, it's a it's a great job of the show uh, not becoming routine and falling into the same things that we might all expect. But as a viewer, it kept throwing me off, and and I kept shaking my fist and saying thank you at the same time because I got to enjoy it more. Um, but I also think I I was missing some of it because without Johnny around, it did make them I think have to deal with stuff more and let those characters step up a bit. And then we had to have them deal a little bit with once he's back, that it's just not a big hug and everything's okay. There are repercussions to it. Um, but it's the natural flow. And as you talk about, unlike other shows, for me, the reason I identify so much with Killjoys and maybe have trouble with some other shows, uh, and don't throw anything at me, Mark, but I'm thinking of the expanse, um, is no, and, and not in a negative way. It's just, I feel so much more engaged with these characters. It's like, they're my friends, so I'm concerned when stuff happens for them, rather than just watching at a distance as something happens. Mm-hmm. Well, my take on the whole Johnny thing this season is, when we started off the season, I enjoyed the the Johnny side of the story. And it was a lot of fun. I could understand what he was going through. He had to get away after the death of Potter and after him shooting um, Delsea, which he thought he had killed. So I understood that. But when you look at the season as a whole, other than the fact that it, they needed 
Dutch and Davin to become closer, there was really no reason for Johnny to be gone. We didn't get the payoff, and we might get the payoffs in, in season four and five, but I was really expecting, like, we're going to talk more about the hack mods in a bit, but Johnny went off, discovered this whole world, became a hack mod with his awesome laser finger, but that never paid off towards the end of the season. Like, when he left them and... They even said, like, you know, we're here for you if we ever need us. Well, why didn't they call them in? So to me, that whole beginning story with Johnny, I had a lot of fun watching it. I enjoyed watching it. But as I said, if you look at the season as a whole, I found that it really degrades that part of the story because there was no payoff, which may come later on. Now, when not to mention the, the whole part with Johnny being able to find almost every plasma pool out there um, and not us not telling us how he was doing it. I don't get that because to me, the Holland there, these plasma pools are supposed to be sacred and uh, big secret. How did he like within, I don't remember how long he was gone, even if, you know, a few months or whatever, how did he find every single or just about every single plasma pool out there? when the Holland are supposed to be keeping these things secret. So that was something I was kind of like, really? He, he found them all uh, from that one place while he was there with, with Ollie and, and that. Um, but then when he came back, I really liked the whole interaction when he came back to Team Awesome Force, only to find out he had been replaced by Zeph. And he had to almost find his new role with the team, uh, he, he was taking back his place, but some of his job was now uh, being circumvented because Zeph was there taking over stuff and the butting heads, which I love the butting heads between uh, Johnny and Zeph. But it was I, I really liked that part of the story, him coming back, him not just being accepted with open arms and everything was back to normal. Like we see in so many other shows, somebody's gone, they come back and poof, everything's back to normal. It took the whole season for him to, to him to integrate himself back into Team Awesome Force the way he was before. So I, I like that part where the end of the season with him coming back, but I find the beginning where he was gone was just, it, it didn't pay off enough in my opinion. Again, only when you look at the season as a whole. It's my understanding in regards to Johnny finding the plasma pools that it wasn't that he and Clara slash Ollie were just stationary while they were gone. I think they were traveling around a lot. Uh, so I, I don't think they were just in one spot. And as far as like how he found them, I think that's a little bit of just we got to accept that Johnny made some fancy dancy sensors and he sent them out. And, you know, they they could test for whatever the various things he tests for a lot on the show. So I think that just requires a little probably a little OK, that happened. Sure. <laughs> a little sciencey hand waving. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, science. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but but I, I agree with you. I, I liked the Hackmod storyline a lot. But while I do really think we're going to get more from them in, in subsequent seasons, just because this was something they introduced back in season two, the idea of the Hackmods, I, I do wish that they had brought them back later in the season as well. No, I, I think we're all, if I can make guess, on the same page that it's some reference to them, some quick scene, some little help in some battle to let us kind of know they were still there, I think was would have been yeah. enough, knowing we can have a little more. They didn't have to come back and be the reason for it, but to have nothing was probably the part that all of us kind of went, oh, that kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, the season ended with them having this 
war start, only to realize that this is a very small thing that has now blown into a much bigger thing that they really weren't at all prepared for. And so I'm like, maybe this is setting up their return for the bigger battle next season. Mm -hmm. They expand their resistance force even farther. Yes. And maybe, if since it's going to take another whole season for him to come back, that might in some way open the door for Clara? Dot, dot, dot. I don't know. <laughs> come on, folks, help me out here. <laughs> do, do, you just miss, do you just miss Stephanie Leonidas, Kevin? Yes. Yes. I was so looking forward to that. <laughs> I would love to have her back, but I don't think at this point we will. Like, Especially with the way Ollie kind of uh, embraced who she is now in this when I mean, we, we only saw her for what, two episodes, but she embraced who she's become. I don't think we're going to get Clara back personally. I mean, I, I would love to have her back. I mean, the actress, I love her, but um, I don't think we're going to see it. Plus, how no do you un undo yeah. that process? Yes. I would think it would it's be... It's sci-fi. It's sci-fi. We can pick that up. <laughs> Kevin is, like, encouraging the science of hand-waving at this point. We already have some of it. What's another hand-wave if we have to? <laughs> and I, I think it'd be even cooler if we had some, found a way to somehow have both Clara and Ollie. Because I liked Ollie. It, it wasn't a dislike of Ollie. It's just, as as you said, Mark, the actress... And I I certainly... like. like I think a lot of fans had got so excited that we were going to have Clara kind of to kick butt with the team early this season. It... it it had to be a little disappointing. And it's the reality of, of shooting TV. And we've talked about it a little bit with the Del Sea pregnancy. I mean, we can all play the what ifs, but, you know, producers and writers, I mean, they do a great job of finding a way to make it all work when you'd have availability issues or, or major changes like that that are important. So I, I get it. It You know, it, it's interesting to watch it flow. So we've talked a little bit about Johnny and Davin's sort of separate storylines. Did we want to maybe talk a bit about their different interactions with, with Dutch? Kevin, I, I feel like you and might have some things to say about Dutch and Johnny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the Dutch and Johnny stuff is just gold. I mean, I love that. So that's probably part of why, certainly, when he wasn't around at the beginning of, of the season, that it made me appreciate him more. I mean, not that I didn't, but it's like anything else in life when something you're used to having isn't there for some reason. Um, you can appreciate it more. So... I I love the fact that that the the team part of it, like I said, to me, season one and two was very much Johnny and Dutch out ahead of Dav. I think we can all agree on that. So having Dav developed this year and having Johnny be missing for a while is making me even more excited for what's to come when the three of them are Team Awesome Force uh, on a much more even level. Because I also thought this season too, at least for me, that with all of Dutch's concern about what was going on with Anila. I don't want to say she came down a peg, but she wasn't quite as indestructible as I thought she might have been myself early in this in the show. So it certainly, you know, it made him a lot more of a fairly even level team. They each have their skill sets. You talked about it, Mark, too, a little bit with Zeph and, and Johnny kind of getting like a lot of us have probably had in life when you change jobs or something major changes. You, you don't you realize you're not quite the cat's meow anymore. There are other people that can do some things you can. So you change your relationship with people sometimes. And that's what you were talking about, Chris, a little earlier in that it makes it much more real. The relationships of these characters now are much more real to me. Not that they weren't early, but they're, the foundation is now that much stronger. So 
I, you know, certainly love the Johnny and Dutch stuff this season, but it wasn't as important uh, as some other stuff that developed. So it had to take a little back seat. I just love the the one thing with the, the Johnny and Dutch was when they were communicating via those hollow projector things and both of them needed the other one. They needed the help of the other one, but neither one of them would ask for that help because either they respected the other person or they just didn't want to admit that they needed the other person. And I, I just thought that was great just to show their, you know, the how much they love each other and how much they respect the other one. But even though they needed, like Johnny could have really used Dutch's help and Dutch really needed Johnny by her side, but neither one of them would ask for it. And I just thought that was just, you know, uh, showing another depth of the relationship between the two with the respect they show for each other and that. So I, I love that little, little bit that they showed us. Yeah. What I thought was great about those scenes too, was that even in the episodes where they weren't together, it was still showing how central and how important that relationship is for the show. Like it still made everything that was going on at least a little bit about that relationship. And I thought it was really great to see Davin and Dutch's relationship develop the season too. I, I, I enjoyed when they kind of did botched a mission together when they destroyed whatever it was they destroyed trying to get something back and they're like yeah we did it and Torrin's like no you you did not <laughs> you need you need more finesse than this so I, I like that they sort of we had a clear friendship buddy teammate type of relationship in the beginning but we're also seeing they're trying to repair sort of the romantic connection that they had back in in season one mm-hmm. yeah watching the two of them as you said, be the, you know, kind of like the bull in the China shop approach and talk about how it would have been different if Johnny was here and how he would have looked Mm -hmm. at it. That's that team dynamic that they did such a great job of reminding us, even like you said, when it wasn't there, uh, meaning that it wasn't all of them together to do it, that they all still appreciate what each other brings to the team. Also, I think that's confirmation that Johnny is the mom friend, right? You can the put two it that just way. behave. <laughs> the two just get out of control when he's yeah. not there. That's right. Like, I doubt either one of them would have been that bad on their own, but the two of them <laughs> together, together somehow just escalates the whole situation. <laughs> but now the big question is, is what's Dutch going to think when she finds out that Davin's had a baby with another woman? <laughs> I think she knows, doesn't she? I'm pretty sure she does, yeah. 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 Okay. But you know, she's going to use it against him. She's got to, you know, those lines are coming at some point when, when they end up, you know, sitting around chatting over a drink. I mean, she's not going to miss an opportunity to, to zing him on that. Yeah. (laughs) Lines delivered with a smirk. (laughs) Big time. We've talked about Zeph a little bit, and I want to talk some about our, our beloved secondary characters, which have always been a very crucial part of Killjoys. Uh, what did y'all think about inter- integrating Zeph into the team? Mark, we've kind of heard you talk about it. How about you, Chris? What did you and Kevin think about Zeph? Zeph is so entertaining to me. I, I wasn't sure about her at first because she's new. <laughs> and I just, it's like, ah, oh, but the, the team as it was, I love it so much. And I just, I wasn't sure at first, but I ended up really loving her probably because one of her main characteristics was how much she loved Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can respect that. (laughs) I understand you, Zeph. I get it. Yeah, to a certain degree, she was talking like the audience, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. Um, She really was. Um, And that was kind of fun. I I loved how they threw the curveball at us when they were, when they did that episode with the simulation to try to basically 
you know, pick the new Johnny uh, almost. Uh, and and uh, even to the point of having an actor, uh, Eric Knudsen was on Continuum that looked like, you know, to many of us who are longtime TV fans, oh, I can pick out who's going to be the one they're going to pick. It's the pretty recognizable actor. And they didn't. They circumvented it. And Zeph kind of started to grow on me. Yeah, she was annoying as heck, but she was speaking what all of us were thinking, um, whether it was in terms of how she was approaching it or being way too caught up in the tech part of the solution and not the people impact of it, um, that it also made us appreciate Johnny's part in it, that he can do both. He can be, you know, he can be annoyingly confident, but he knows that when he's doing something, he's thinking about the ripple effect of the people side of it. And she was just so caught up in the, the technology or, or computer side of it that it took a little while. And as you said, Chris, it was like at first, like, you know, don't go messing with my three, you know, and then we had to kind of settle in and let that happen. But it was like you said, Stephanie, though, I mean, there's such a great set of those secondary characters that they each have a nice part in what makes the story richer. I just love the, the awkwardness of Zeph and her interactions with the other, especially all the, the sexual innuendos that she puts out. And, you know, when she wants to <laughs> talk, uh, she wants to test Davin and, uh, you know, telling him like, you know, take his shirt off and, and, you know, or, or just the stuff. Show me your tells- nipples, I think is what she says to <laughs> <laughs> and when she tells Johnny, you know, I love you. And then like, yeah, no, well, not really. But <laughs> it, it's just, I just, I got a kick out of those. And I, I agree with Chris at the beginning. I wasn't really sure about her, but the more that we saw her, the more I liked her and the, her whole thing. She's still not integrated into the team perfectly, but she's on her way. And uh, I, I like her for that. And I feel like that's, it's very killjoy We get this introduction of a new character, and I feel like on a lot of shows, they might have stayed a bit more cardboard in the background, but she got a nice arc for the season where we really could see her grow and change as a person. And talking about Dutch, hallowed be her name. <laughs> <laughs> so another aspect of, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kevin. No, and I was going to say related to that, though, I really loved uh, that we got more of uh, Pri's background. Mm-hmm. You got that paid off. You know, we got a teased earlier. Um, and, you know, like we talked about there, some shows that would have just been a little tease that he was Warlord. But no, we actually get to see it uh, and go there with it, which was just wonderful to start seeing how rich that character is now, too, in terms of much more than what we saw at first behind the bar. And I feel like there's not many shows that would take a, a male character who regularly wears false eyelashes and makeup and jewelry like he does and make him a warlord leading battles by the end of the season. It's just not something a lot of shows would do. And it's even true. those that might, it, you could watch that and go, well, that's not, you know, they only did it to, for fan service. I think it worked. It could totally, I could totally see him in that role when he, when he you know, we got, we saw him go back to see a lot of the folks he had to deal with. It seemed very natural. Mm-hmm. I, what I loved is that they brought Garrett back, a, a character that we saw briefly was at just at the end of season two that I thought was like a one-time character, and we brought him back to be Pre's love interest. And the two of them are like when you look at them individually, you just don't see it. You don't see the match between the two. But I think it was just so hilarious to see that relationship between them grow. And uh, like towards the end, we were really rooting for them. And and then, you know, the 
the, the whole connection and marriage and all that. I, I thought that was just great. I mean, how can you not love a guy who who loves to cuddle with puppies and knit them sweaters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the actors do a great job of creating that chemistry on screen. I mean, that's sometimes we always talk about or you hear showrunners or writers talk about how you can put something on a page, but can't, you can't force chemistry. And the two of them just make that work on, on, very, li- on very limited screen time, too. This isn't like this is a main thing where there's a lot of time you can watch it develop. It just... Uh, as I said a little earlier, it seemed very natural. Uh, another couple of our, our secondary characters who got a pretty healthy plot line this season was Turin and Fancy and that storyline with uh, The Cleansed. Uh, Mark, did you have thoughts about uh, that this season? Briefly on Turin, uh, if there's ever been a character that you that has flipped and flopped and flipped and flopped throughout the seasons, when we first saw him, I hated that guy. And then all of a sudden he turned out, okay, he, oh, he's actually a cool guy. Yeah, okay, he's on our side. And then all of a sudden I hated that guy again. And then all of a sudden he's back again. And then I hated him. It's like, I, I don't, I can't think of a single character that's done that so many times. Um, and I, I don't know if it's going to keep going like that. But Turin is just one of those characters that he, from week to week, you just don't know. Am I going to like him this episode or am I not going to like him this episode? But overall, I lo- like, Character-wise, I love the character. He's doing such a great job. As Kevin mentioned, the actors they have on this, they they really embrace their roles, and uh, he's doing a, a really good job. Now, Fancy Lee and the Cleanse, uh, that's a, a completely different storyline. Not sure with the Cleanse. They, they have the whole being alienated because they were Hullen. Uh, again, with Turin, that's another reason why we turn. You know, I turned on Turin again is because of his treatment of Fancy Lee, and just how um, these clans they they were shunned, they were locked up, they were put aside, and yet they were called upon whenever the time, uh, whenever they were needed, and uh, even Fancy. I mean, at some points he he didn't like he he turned his back on Turin, but at the end he came back. And uh, the banter when during that battle on uh, the rack ship, whenever uh, the two of them and even like, you know, they're insulting each other as they're helping each other and passing clips back and forth and stuff like that. And I just thought that was good. So that's a a good um, relationship. We talked about uh, pre and Garrett, but the the Turin and fancy relationship, even though it keeps, as I said, flipping and flopping, um, I think going forward, I think it's going to turn out to be a good one. I like the idea of the cleansed, although, again, if the cleanse are no longer Hullen, and that's the whole thing they're saying, like, we're now on the, the, the Killjoy's side, but they are still capable of flying the ships. They were still re- required. So if they're no longer Hullen, is there some regi- residual effect that still allows them to interact with the ships? And if that's the case, can they be trusted? And that's another question for me leading into season four is uh, even though we want to trust Fancy, can we? Is there still a possibility that the cleanse can be used by the Holland? And I, I'm not sure about that one. Well, the control of the ships, just to make sure I'm being clear, the control of the ships, they were able to fly them because of, uh, again, science hand wave, something that Johnny did so that the Davin was like activating the ships to work. So the Helen were just the cleanse were just flying them. But why did they require the cleanse? Clear? Why couldn't I assumed, anybody? I, I assumed it was a matter of residual knowledge, not residual yes. effects of the green. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
I, I believe okay. that's what was said in the show. It, he, he basically was like, you kind of have to have a feel for how they move and the cleanse remember how to fly them, even though they can't with these ones, like could, they couldn't activate them without Davin's help. So how about you, Chris? What about uh, Turin and Fancy and the cleanse in that storyline? Yeah, I, all the, all the things that Mark said about Turin <laughs> are fair. And I feel like the show wants you to feel like that. You know, he's just kind of that guy. It just sort of depends on what the situation is, you know, how you're going to feel about him. Because he's going to be very specific and stuck in his ways. And it's either going to help you or it's not. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I'm glad that they gave him a solid storyline this season. I I enjoy the character even when I'm frustrated by him. Uh, Fancy Lee, I'm also glad they gave him, you know, a solid storyline stuff to do this season. I thought the cleansed stuff is like classic Michelle Lavretta. You know, it's a group of people persecuted based on a thing that happened to them. There is, there is a just circumstances of life. They are in this situation and are being treated a certain way for it. And Michelle Lavretta loves her class structures mm-hmm. and and sociological studies of that kind of thing. I'm I'm into it. Yeah, I thought with uh yeah, when it comes to turn, I was glad, as Mark pointed out, that once he flipped, he just kept flipping so that he just became entertaining to see, you know, if he was going to be helping the team or not, and that everybody knew him that he was doing it. So it, it was, wasn't one of these things sometimes with characters when you start to think, you know, where they are at in, in their relation to your quote unquote heroes. If they start doing stuff against them, but it's somehow hidden, you have this thing like you don't like them for that reason, obviously. But the fact that everyone knew that he was just being an a-hole basically was like, fine, that's, that's his <laughs> niche. He's good at it. It's entertaining. Go for it. So I liked, I liked very much that fancy called him on it and, that was his way to kind of deal with it. Uh, the cleansed part is very, as Chris pointed out, it fits the story, but I'm not that engaged with it because it's still kind of just there. Yeah, I feel like right now they're kind of a peripheral group that, that was useful, but they haven't really engaged with it very much yet. Yeah, and it's hard to because it's, it's you know, I, I mean, we've got a little bit of it certainly with, you know, seeing how fancy is doing some stuff or what's with turn, but it's still, it's not quite engaged with it, but it's still okay because it's, it's those secondary character parts of it that are, uh, are more fun to watch. I will say a piece of Torin's storyline that, that bothers me a little bit is that at the end of that episode where fancy Lee gets, you know, held hostage by the, the Holland woman and Turin wasn't, 100% 100% sure that he would be on their side. There's there's a scene at the end of that episode where Torin goes and, and apologizes to Fancy for kind of letting the other members of the rack get into his head and convince him that Fancy couldn't be trusted. And, you know, Fancy calls him an a-hole, essentially, and walks away. But it felt like there, Torin was willing to be like, oh, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. But then after that was when he imprisoned all of the cleanse. That didn't quite jive for me. It felt a little too flip-floppy for me, personally. The one thing about Turin is whether he flips or flops, his intentions are always the best. He's looking out for the rack. He's looking out for his people. We may not like what he's doing, but in his mind, that's what he's up to. Right. So like we we alluded to previously, we did lose one of our our secondary characters this season. It was was Alvis's turn to go. 
Kevin, how did you feel about that death of, of that character? I thought it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I was Me really too. liking him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I get it. It's it's the whole, you know, making the story real and, and hitting you in the gut. So, I mean, I say that just from a viewer's point of view. Like, he was really getting to be an entertaining part of the group. And, and also the way it happened with the whole not knowing that it was a kneeler and not Dutch. This is also me thinking about the Anila character and what this is going to mean going forward. And I'm not sure I can I can buy into her working with Dutch. Or, and I don't want to use the word trust, but because, you know, she did that. I, you know, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I get it. As a viewer of a show, I get why it happened. But it just, it sucks because I was really digging Elvis and what he'd been able to help out the team with all along. Yeah. It, it, to me, it was... Um... I honestly didn't think he had died. I was expecting something. I was because that scene was flipping and flopping. We saw right before that Dutch leave. I think she was at the Royale and she left and she was supposed to go meet somebody. And she said, oh, hold on. I've got something to do. And then we cut to the scene with which we presume is Dutch showing up, but it's not. So I actually thought that in the next episode, Dutch was going to arrive there like seconds after and, and save him. Or something's going to be like Alvis being, you know, the, the monk that he was, is used to getting cut and used to bleeding. So whatever Anila did to him wouldn't have a, as much effect on him because he's so used to it. But I was wrong. He ended up, he, he did die. Just interesting thing here. That episode... I hadn't seen that episode when it aired. And uh, you, you uh, Chris and Steph, you guys know uh, Fred from the Netherlands? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Fred came to Canada after Orphan Black finished. Fred came to Canada to do a tour of Orphan Black sets. Um, he's, a, he's a geneticist from uh, the University of Rotterdam. He, he's a doctor there. So he's really into that sort of stuff. So he came to Canada to do that. And while he was in Canada, he hopped the train and came to see me. It's like a three and a half hour train ride. And he came spend the afternoon with me. And I just came back from podcast movement. I hadn't seen this episode. So he had actually watched the episode already. But while he was visiting me, uh, we went down and we watched the episode together. And it was funny because he was watching for my reaction. And uh, I guess it was like, because again, I thought it was Dutch showing up and uh fred said i had quite the reaction on my face whenever i realized that it was anila that stabbed him so um it, it was a pretty pretty cool there in hindsight you look back and there are hints and there are clues that that isn't dutch whenever right. she shows up but uh it was just it took me completely by surprise now i'm alvis was a great character uh, i was really sorry to see him go not that there is another character I would have wanted to go in his place. It was a good time, but I am going to miss him, especially the interactions with him and Dutch. Like the two of them had a special bond, different than the bond she has with anybody else. So uh, I am going to miss him as a character. And that's why I very much want to see her, meaning Dutch, deal with Anila with that in mind. Because, I mean the word unforgivable comes to mind for me. So I'm wondering how, how they're going to do things going forward since it looks like there's a pair up, team up, collaboration, whatever we want to call it. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, all of us really were upset by losing the, what is very much a secondary character. So it's, an, it's a great example. If it's hurting us, what, what's the impact going to be on Dutch? 
I actually think this is potentially a, a good storyline if they do that, because now Anila has Dutch's memories and actually has memories of Alvis. So it might be interesting to see how Anila feels about it now, too. And that's why I wonder if Anila and Dutch entering the green space, if now Dutch's memories of Alvis are there, and if that could be an opportunity to maybe show us a bit more of that relationship between Dutch and Alvis, because I feel like from the beginning, we knew they had a history of some kind. But I don't know that we've ever really gotten a, a grasp of quite what that was. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, it could be something, I don't know, that could be explored possibly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we got we got a lot of our great secondary characters this season, got a good storyline for Pre and Torin and Fancy, new additions with Zeph. Uh, but I was wondering, who did we miss who've been around in the past but weren't here this season? Uh, how about you, Mark? Did you have somebody in particular that you, you thought you would lo- have loved to have seen more of? Uh, there's a few characters that we had in the past that we didn't really get to see, but one that we did see but not enough of, in my opinion, was Lucy. I mean, that ship in, in season one uh, and season two, Lucy was a lot of the comedic relief. She was uh, a big help. She was the fourth member of the team. And I found in this season, we just didn't get that same. Yes, she was there. Uh, she she had her presence when it was needed, but I think that's the difference. It was only when it was needed, where in the previous seasons, Lucy was there you know, all the time. She would pipe in little comments when they might not necessarily be, be required, but they were fun. And we got a lot less of that this season. So I didn't, I, I really like Lucy as a character, so I missed that. And I hope that in the, the next two seasons, we get more of her. How about you, Chris? I agree about Lucy. I am also very annoyed at the lack of Bellish because this feels like it would have been a good opportunity. They needed soldiers. It's been pretty well established that Bellish could have been very useful in a fight. And we just didn't, we didn't see her. Made me sad. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, the the reduction of of, uh, the Lucy interactions and such certainly was something I noticed. And, and again, I just have to, to my own selfish self, of uh, say, we're building the team, we're bringing in some other things going on. You, you know that the creators know how much we love her, so you, she's got to be back more in the coming seasons. So I'll, I'll just kind of put the pin in it that I understand, you know, developing a show and the big story arc in the war maybe didn't have as much fun for one-off Lucy lines. But uh, yeah, hope, hoping that more of that is certainly back. There's always time for one-off Lucy lines. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Takes two seconds. <laughs> but but as someone said earlier in our discussions, l- let's face it, we had the big war coming and everything right. else, so you can't keep cutting that with too many one-liners. It it detracts from that being, you know, that that tension. Building the drama. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I did not appreciate though with with Lucy is the fact that Zeph was able to lock Johnny out of Lucy. So mm. I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> You hear that, Zeph? Mark has noted. (laughs) He's gunning for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say she wasn't in previous seasons, but I really liked the introduction of Banyan Grey, and it bummed me out that she was killed off so quickly. Like I I understand the 
the dramatic importance of of Dutch confronting her and stabbing her even and realizing, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Because I feel like that really shifted Dutch's projection for the rest of the season. But I don't know that she needed to die. I think it would have been enough if Dutch had stabbed her and Banyan had nearly died for her to kind of go through that same process. I wish she had stuck around more. Yeah, good point. Sigh. So let's move uh, into talking about some season four speculation or just questions we have going into the fourth season. We've talked about a lot of it already, uh, but I think in thinking of the next couple of seasons, we need to keep in mind it is going to be a next couple of seasons because we received the news that the show had been renewed for a season four and five, and then that would be the end of the the series, which I don't know about y'all. I'm okay with that. I, I think it's actually better with really tightly plotted storylines like this if the showrunners have a, a expected endpoint, uh, but I was just kind of curious, what are some of y'all's big questions going into seasons uh, four and then maybe even five? Uh, Chris, why don't we start with you? I think the big question, the big obvious question is who on earth, who in the quad, pardon me, is the lady? <laughs> because they've spent so much time alluding to the lady and I mean, obviously, they set up the end of the season, setting up the fourth season, I should say, with them going to confront her in the green space. So, I mean, they have to answer this question next season, right? One would hope. No. How many of us thought they had answered it this season? Because the lady we all thought was Anila. Mm hmm. And yeah, oh, that's the lady, the lady, the lady. And all of a sudden we find out, oh, no, she's not the lady. She's actually a prisoner herself. So that was a good reveal, too. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm very curious with the two season renewal. I'm wondering now if this means that the lady and a lot of what's there is now going to get, not in a negative way, spread out over the two seasons, or if this means that Michelle Loretta and her team can fast track that storyline so we still have time for whatever else might have been bouncing around her brain for things they wanted to do before the series ended you know what i'm saying i'm gonna be very curious in those first couple of episodes in the next season do we see this story bit really moving quickly meaning that there is something else to come or if we start filling it in realizing that this will be the apex of what they're building to so that's kind of what i'm wondering because of those two season renewals and knowing that you know, in, in the way the world works from the television world in the U.S., we don't have to, like, go into filler, quote-unquote, stuff to, to get, because we don't know when we're going to get to an end. So I'm glad that we have a fixed point. I, I ultra-confidence in, in the team that'll be writing it, but as a viewer, I'm fascinated in wondering what this means for bigger story bits that they probably had on that. What do we get to do over the course of the time in this series is there other stuff that they really want to get to in which case they have to move this a little quicker or run it in parallel that's really i'm spending more on that myself rather than the lady even though it's big is is the bigger arc of what this means for the entire universe of what will become five seasons of killjoys i was thinking at the end of this season they've done this every season right where they have one of our members of our team seem like they might be separated from the rest of the team at the end of the season, like season one, Davin was kidnapped. Season two, Johnny went off with Clara. And now season three, Dutch went into the green with Anila. So all those other times, they've resolved those pretty quickly, like the team being separated. And I don't like the idea of potentially Anila and Dutch fighting the lady in the green space for a really long time in season four. So I am curious to see how quickly they will, if, if, if not kill the lady, but maybe resolve them being in the green space at least. Mm-hmm. 
I would say if, first of all, I loved whenever they announced that they were getting two more seasons and then it would be over. I thought that was great because at least then Michelle Lavretta and the rest of the writers have an end point. They can write the story they want to write and finish it off. So I am anticipating, like I'm much more excited about this series now, knowing that it will come to an actual end and not follow suit like Dark Matter did where you know we're left to speculate what happened. But I'm thinking, and this is just my speculations, the lady is trapped in the green and she wants to come out. There's been some talk about her figuring things out. She knows that Dutch came out of the green, so she knows it's possible. I think that what's going to happen is for season four, there's going to be a battle and all that. But then at the end of season four, the lady's going to finally emerge from the green And then we're going to have season five where the lady will be an actual being that controls all the hull and that it will be uh, that will be the ultimate uh, villain for the final season. So that's just my speculation. We're going to spend season four uh, battling, but not making some progress, but uh, not overall. I think the war will continue. I'm hoping to see more outside the quad. Uh, we know that the the Holland are all over the place from Johnny's map that uh, he showed. So I'm hoping we're going to get more interaction and more stuff, especially the hack mods. Uh, we know that they're in a they were in a different sector. So um, we mentioned that earlier. Hope to get more of them. Uh, I'd love to see an entire hack mod army join the uh, the join the war on the good side. So I'm also wondering if there's any connection between the Holland and the hack mods. We saw a little bit of that this season about how Holland technology was being used by one particular hack mod, but I, I wonder if there's any larger connection there. Could be. But I'm with you, Kevin. You were mentioning you had questions about this uh, alliance between Dutch and Anila. I, I do think it's a very tenuous one. I think Dutch set it up that way where it's very situation-specific. But I do wonder how they're going to work together knowing that you know Anila killed... Alvis, and then, you know, if that situation with the lady gets resolved, where are they, like, what footing are they on in regards to the the Holland versus the human war in the quad? I, I'd have big questions about what's going to be the future of the, the war between the humans and the Holland. I'm curious what the three of you think uh, on a question I want to throw out here for you folks is, do you see Anila as a character lasting through the rest of the series? I hope so. I don't. I think, and uh, personally, I think Anila is going to uh, perish next season because that that was one of the big things. And one of the things I had a little bit of contention with is the whole Dutch saying that if she kills Anila, then she will die as well. And she was OK with that. She's going to c- go kill. I never understood that mindset. Why does a k- killing Anila automatically end Dutch's life? Uh, I can understand where Dutch is coming from. Uh, it's the same thing as if you you kill the 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 green the plasma you're killing all the Hullen. but she was pulled out of a memory. She's a younger Anila before being Hullenized. But I I wouldn't be surprised that maybe Dutch tries to sacrifice herself by killing Anila at some point, and then realizing that oh I'm still alive, and that's going to be part of it. Or or maybe even the fact that Dutch has to come out of the green may create a a gateway for the lady to come out afterwards. So I don't know. I mean, it could be, but I don't think that Dutch's logic is unsound. Like the, 
the premise that they've established makes sense with the information they have to me. Because Dutch was made from the green. So if you kill the green, she would die. Kill the source of the green. Yes. Yeah. I think that's her logic. But, But now that she's going back inside of it, could there be a loophole? I, I do like the idea of Dutch maybe trying to sacrifice herself and and realizing that she doesn't die. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind Neela sticking around. But then there becomes a question of can you redeem that character so that we are interested in her sticking around l- long term, given what we've seen that she's done. But I feel like they've set the stage for that perfectly by giving her Dutch's memories. That's true. Because possible. A large part of her villainy that we'd seen is because of not knowing these these things. Granted, there's still the question of whether or not she's a sociopath, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> How do you feel about Anila sticking around, Kevin? What I want to see, selfish Kevin viewer, which is different than maybe what's best for the show, is <laughs> I, I would like to see a season five, whether it's the whole season or a good part of it, be very much just about the three of our team, whether it's tackling the war or something. In other words, I I enjoy the Anila stuff, but to me, it's certain part of it feels like it's unfinished business. Um, so I, I'm not sure I want it to last, you know, the remaining 20 episodes. I would like to see that in some way wrapped up or whatever it might be, whether it's Anila perishing or going off in the green to, I don't know, whatever, t- tackle something and Dutch comes out. But I mean, I do... At this point, in my limited brain, think it would be fun to have the three of them doing something along with the core secondaries uh, epically for season five. And I'm just concerned that Anila, while fun and interesting, kind of can take away from that three part of the team. The fact that uh, both Anila and Dutch now share the memories. Dutch was given the the memories when Zeph put the stuff in her head, and then Anila got Dutch's memories Anyways, because the two of them now have shared memories, it means one of them is is redundant in my head. Uh, you can be you can kill one of them off, and the other one has the memories of both. Now, not that I want it to happen, but wouldn't it be interesting if Dutch was the one to actually die? And no, Anila, no, 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 no. I know I don't want this to ha- I don't want this to happen either, Kevin. Take back, take, take back. back. Dutch died. <laughs> and then Anila, because she now has Dutch's memories, could actually take over and become Dutch. And, and I don't know. As I said, I not, that I wanted to hap- not that I want it to happen, but it's a possibility. Go can, for it, Chris. Can, okay. I have a crazy idea. Oh, I love crazy ideas. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or not, should this happen. But the possibility has me kind of excited. What if somehow, because now they share all the memories, well, except they don't because Dutch doesn't have all of Anila's memories. Hmm. That's true. But, but now that they've gone into the green, what if somehow they come out of the green as one person? Person. Hmm. Turbo Dutch. Hmm. Then Dutch I'd be Nila. sad for Delsea. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'd be what sad for Delsea at that point, but that's an interesting idea. You know, I don't know. Probably, right? I mean, I would, I don't know. But, you know, the world's most awkward threesome. (laughs) 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 
oh, we're going to be so wrong and we have to revisit this and we get to the end of season mm-hmm. four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Feel free well, to laugh at us throughout uh, yeah. the airing of season four. I mean, yeah. I can I can see that, you know, that idea of, of it somehow creating a, a combination of the two. I really can because then I wouldn't, at least to myself, I wouldn't be as negative on Anila because of uh, Alvis and, like you said, potentially being the sociopath. But I don't know, maybe I'm just being too simplistic when I say the, the Kevin approach rather than what the the larger scale idea is of, you know, what is it that Michelle Loretta had in mind when they said, okay, you've got this series you're going to be able to do in several seasons. Where did she, where did she see this team being at the end of the, uh, of the run? I guess that's obviously what they're going to write towards. I'm just, I'm not sure I have the ability to understand that scope yet. I can mm. see where you're coming from though, Kevin, with wanting maybe the last season to focus primarily on Dutch Davin and Johnny. I, I share that, but I don't know. I feel like when it comes to Anila, I don't know that I I like her. And so I don't like the idea of her being killed, written off. Maybe I'd probably miss her. Uh, But I I, I guess I don't know that she's necessary to stick around the entire rest of the series. But who knows what they're going to introduce in season four. Yes, I think that's part of what will will make the show interesting is that we can't conceive of what changes are going to. I mean, could any of us have seen at the end of season two where we ended up at the end of season three? So, <laughs> so that's why I know we're all wrong, although right. I'm sure we'll get little bits right. And, and that's a good thing. That's why we are fascinated with the show, because they constantly are, keep challenging us. So you know, on the one hand, I like to, to emotionally feel like I say, no, no, Anila, it's bad. They're probably going to put something in here that's going to make me go, okay, fine, you proved me wrong again. And, and <laughs> you know, and appreciate that. Who knows? Maybe they'll grab a whole bunch of different memories and they'll come out and there'll be like a dozen Duchess and Anila's around. <laughs> oh, Del Sayo would love that, wouldn't she? <laughs> Which yeah, one's get mine? a Dutch? <laughs> get a Dutch. <laughs> Everybody gets a Dutch. <laughs> go ahead, turn Del me down. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm going to say, yeah, she can just keep making moves on any of them. Go, okay, fine, I got another one. I'll keep going. <laughs> I was going to say, Delsea's initial reaction is, wait, which one's mine? Wait, how many can I have? (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Well, thank you all for joining us for this discussion. I had a lot of fun. Would y'all mind reintroducing yourselves or telling people where we can find everybody's podcasts? Kevin, do you mind starting? Sure. Uh, If you go to tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. You can find our podcast covering all the genre shows as well as some other specific podcasts for things like Game of Thrones and Winona Earp and so forth. You can find me at solotalkmedia.com where I have podcasts for Killjoys, The Warrant is All. I also, as Kevin mentioned earlier, I do have a podcast for The Expanse. And um, like Chris and Steph, I just wrapped up my Orphan Black podcast. Um, That one's done, but it's still there for you to look at or listen to if you want to. And you can find Stephanie and me over at AskGenreTV.com, where you can find all of our podcasts, including ones for Killjoys, called The Quad, as well as ones for Orphan Black and Lost Girl and various other things. Well, thank you all again for joining us for this discussion. Hopefully we can do this again at the end of next season and laugh at how ridiculous we we were when we were trying to speculate about what would happen. <laughs> or how amazing it was that we were right. That's right. That's right. You you all listeners will be able to come back and go, aha, we, you know, tell us what we got right, because we're going to probably forget 
knowing how much it's going to change.